fisticuffs is the thing I've been saying to people when I'm like, we are clearly fighting now. Carl, we can't, I can't fight you. <laughs> I'm not the audience. Only the audience can fight you. Like, I'm also, like, willing to fight, like, the creators of television shows I don't approve of. I, okay. But you can't fisticuffs me. <laughs> no, I don't intend to fisticuffs you. Fisticuffs <laughs> is just my word for an altercation has broken out. All of this is on the cutting room floor. No, all of this is going in the preview. Fisticuffs. <laughs> Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. My name is Arthi, and today we're going to be talking about Full Boil. Full Boil. Full Boil for Boil! No. We are uh, not. We, we aren't. I, no. Well, I was more so in this episode than I was in any other. We'll get to that. So, let's talk about how this episode is structured. The, okay. There are basically three major plot lines. The A plot is that <laughs> Boyle is... Finding himself going too fast too soon in his relationship with Vivian and Jake takes it upon himself at Charles' behest to sort of keep him in line and check him. This B-plot is... You do that. I'm giving giving the summary back. (laughs) Are you... Was it really that hurtful to you? No, it wasn't hurtful. It's just I was surprised. Oh, well, I figured maybe we could kind of switch it up a little. If you wanted, it's yours. Okay, well, the (laughs) B-plot... I want to, because I never get to. Do the thing! The B-plot is that that Holt is worried that somebody else is running for presidency of his organization that he's created within the NYPD. I don't remember the acronym, please. I should do the summary of what you're saying. (laughs) I'm saying you do. Do the B-plot, please. Uh, Okay, sure. In the B-plot, Holt is suddenly opposed by Brian Jensen in his run for the presidency of the Aglinikapa, the African-American Gay and Lesbian New York City Policemen's Association, Policeman's Association, or something like that. And he takes on Gina as a campaign advisor, because she has great hair and loves lying. <laughs> and it goes about as well as you could expect. And then finally, well, her campaign campaign managing. Oh yeah, she's terrible. <laughs> and then finally in the C-plot, Amy and Rosa have to deal with a citizen tipster named Super Dan, who comes in wearing a cape and his Quailman costume. They don't take him seriously, for obvious reasons. And then it ends up that he's been watching over one of the biggest drug trafficking groups in Brooklyn, and so Hitchcock and Scully end up sniping their case. And they all learn a heartwarming and valuable lesson. We're not going to be paying attention to the C-plot. We're actually not talking to the C-plot at all. The only thing I want to say about the C-plot is that we once again see Terry mentoring Amy, and at least this time she actually listens to him. And she does that, oh, that's nice. I'm glad that you realized that I learned the lesson, Faith. Yes, exactly. Her little see how di- much value you could be gaining? Seriously. Amy, come on. Pull it together. Come on, Amy. We believe in you. Do I, it. I don't believe that you can get your life right. So let's instead start talking with the B-plot. I really like watching Holt and Gina interact. Yeah, they're, they're great. They just, usually it's little moments, but this is just them this episode. Mm-hmm. They don't spend any time with anyone else. Well, Gina spends some time with someone else. We'll talk about that later. And, and, and forever. You guys see where this is going, but we'll, we'll come around to it. It's just like... Gina vacillates so wildly between trying to be unhelpful and trying to be helpful. And this episode, we see such a spectrum of her successes and failures. 
She doesn't try that hard to dig up info about Brian Jensen. I mean, she did some research. She came in with a file folder. She made a printout. She just didn't read it first. She went to Wikipedia as opposed to clearly what should have been the NYPD like servicemen's database. Which she has access to as an administrator. Right? Like, she could have pulled up a service record and instead went to Wikipedia. Well, probably she didn't want to put in the, like, password for the thing that she always avoids using. <laughs> because she never has to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we we also see her, like, give Holt some, like, real advice. And she gets Florgasm in for him, which is, it's a lot. That's actually a lot of effort. It's a big get, is what you're saying? Sure. His schedule was open. <laughs> Probably. Although Natasha has, like, childcare to navigate. We don't know about their life, but she got them all We know short. that Natasha has a child. Okay, but I'm saying about all the other people well, she gave Florgasm. it up for adoption. Her dog has lupus. Her she's dog got a has lot lupus. of problems. Yeah, she's got a lot of problems. How does a dog survive with lupus? Maybe it's not that harmful in dogs because it is lupus. Maybe it's from wolves. I someone, someone write the, the house crossover fanfic that's really just you explaining to me how lupus works lupus. in Do dogs. Have, I don't know how they work in dogs, but it's an autoimmune disorder. Yes, I know. Okay, good. But I do actually support the idea of a house crossover oh i don't no i mean just like they find like anyway (laughs) explore your minor character and show all joking aside i really liked watching holt and gene interact and you're right that like her amount of effort that she puts into this vacillates wildly but i appreciate more than anything else her continued willingness to be really real with holt in a way that like complements how terry is willing to be real with holt she doesn't hide anything she's feeling from him basically ever Mm-mm. like when he tells a bad joke he's like that's called observational humor and he's really pleased with himself mm-hmm. like he, he smiles and mm-hmm. emotes mm-hmm. she's like probably smiling <laughs> like no one's paying attention is gonna buy that Mm-mm. and speaking of which like holt is not there's a real big difference between how Andre is funny and how Holt is funny. And also there's a difference, the really, so what we established in the previous episode and what's like set in stone in this episode is that one of the just world building conceits of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, sci-fi fantasy geek, is that Raymond Holt is unbelievably hilarious to people who aren't in the 99th precinct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just can instantly slay them with laughter when he tries to make a joke that is completely boring to the audience and the precinct. Right. It's it's not even... And I like that the show makes it clear it's not like a class or like audience, like in-universe audience thing. Like it's not just like he's really funny to academics or to people who go to dinner parties. It's to like a glinikpa. Like yeah. it's to both. I mean, I think that what's happening is Holt is really good at knowing his audience. Yes. Because what they always forget when they're like, his humor is terrible, is that he's really funny to the precinct, too. Yes. He has this kind of dry, cutting humor that no one ever laughs at because it's always, like, used to set them in their place. <laughs> but it is really, really funny. Yeah. I mean, this is the episode that Andy Samberg will occasionally cite when talking about Andre Brower and be like, he pauses... Between. It just paused so long. He, normally you pause like a beat. He waited like five beats and then he was like, destroy him. <laughs> and apparently, like, you watch that and he, this, the scene the immediately. The immediate. Yeah. And apparently I think it's because the crew just like, well, Andy Samberg was like, I fell out of my chair. He was laughing so hard. That's extraordinary to me. But like, you're right. Holt himself, Andre Brower is so funny in this like really dry, understated way. Yeah. I think it's great. Like, 
<laughs> listening to also he, Gina and Jake have exactly the same reaction. Like if he and Jake his really bad joke go over, I mean millimeters or the discrimination. They make the same face. And they go, What? The best part there are so many little things like that make so much sense when you realize they grew up together. And not just like the hairdryer thing, but also like they both butcher French in the same way. Like <laughs> he says touchy and she says enchanté. Enchanté. Yeah. Like it's like I think that's a pop star. Yeah, yeah, Shanti's a pop star. But either way, like they, they I love that after that. I mean, we we missed this in the party. After that she like she holds his hand for a little while and then she curtsies and I'm like, "Oh, right? They princess. Right? They're both they both they have so many shared little moments and we should talk about that in the apartment mm-hmm. yeah we'll yeah. talk about that next episode <laughs> we talked about it now we'll bring it up again we're next not week. gonna stop talking about things <laughs> we just love talking about things you guys that's why you listen to us but other i mean the aglinipa plotline is actually pretty cool and i and i like that we got to see like personal growth from hold which is interesting because i i don't think we'd ever really seen him him learn a lesson except in broken not broken feather yeah, yes, broken, broken feather, feather but yeah. that doesn't count. Well, we ignored that. No completely. one learns anything from broken feather. It's also basically it's a dead hole in history. <laughs> I was gonna say it's basically a continuity-free zone. Yeah, they don't even remember it. Like we we think it sets up the arc of the ladder, but whatever. We talked about that. We you, have to stop talking about broken feather every, every single, single episode. episode. <laughs> we don't even like it. I know. We're gonna stop now. A moratorium on talking about broken feather. Um. Also, I like. When he talks about why he set up Aglinikapa and how, mm-hmm. like Aglinikapa is really important to him, mm-hmm. and the way he set it up just shows how manipulative and just within the spirit of the law Ray Holt can be. <laughs> no the, one officially said no, so I just went ahead and did it. After he says that he wants to do it, and his superior officer and everyone else in the precinct basically falls over laughing because yep. they re- disrespect him so much, mm-hmm. and then he just does it. He and just I, does it, and and Gina's like, oh, interesting. Yeah, she's kind of into it. I like it. She, I've learned. Yeah, I love that. Uh, but continuing our theme of Holt mentoring everyone but Amy. Yeah. <laughs> Still, I I really hope we see... we The next time we see them interact like this is Tactical Village, right? Quasi Cupcakes? That's totally different, though. Totally that's different. That's the first time that the two... That's the next time that the two of them get a plot. Right, right. It's that's totally what I mean. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. They interact, obviously, because... Yeah. But, like, I do hope in season two we see more of, like, the whole Gina sort of <laughs> thrown together to do things thing. Mm-hmm. I bet we will because um, Holt and Kara Sedgwick's character kind of go head to head. And I bet we'll see more of this Gina situation. She's basically his conciliary. <laughs> or yeah. at least a capo. Yep, I 100% agree. <laughs> like, I actually really agree. I loved The Godfather. It was such a great movie. It is, in, it is acknowledged to be a good movie, yes. <laughs> yeah, the Coppola's all agree. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's, uh, let's, let's start talking about Char- Charles and Jake, because I, I think, I mean, it's obviously the A-plot, so it's like clearly like a big part of the episode, but it's also, and the title. <laughs> yeah. But it's also, I kept asking the last couple of weeks, is, is this us bringing back Jake is the worst? And I actually think this is the week I'm going to be like, no, let's, we're, com- like, Jake is no longer the worst. Yeah, from here on out, he's legit a really supportive and loving and thoughtful friend. Mm-hmm. To Boyle, at least. Mm-hmm. 
like forever. Yeah, and we hadn't seen a lot of evidence, and we'd complained about it on the podcast before, about how Jake had not been a really good friend to Charles, it seemed like. Like, Charles was always super supportive and was always there, and the minute Charles needs him, Jake is right there. And we finally see flashbacks of him kind of doing that for Boyle. Sitting through conversations he really doesn't want to be in. Yeah. And, you know, putting up with them at least. I mean, it looked like there was some, like, there, there. Yeah. There. Uh, okay, buddy, your your cries don't cries. <laughs> Why sad? Yeah, kind of. But at this point, he's like he's anticipating Charles's needs. Mm-hmm. He's going so far out of his way to be nice for him, mm-hmm. and he this is someone who knows his friend's strengths and weaknesses, and just really wants him to be able to not fail in the same way that he's seen him fail before. Mm-hmm. He wants him to be better this time. He knows how much his last relationship messed him up. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to see his, his friend suffer through that again. So he's just like, he's it. Yeah, I think he also can tell like that this is a really positive relationship for Boyle. Like It opens with him be- saying that explicitly. Man, Charles has been so like happy, upbeat. And confident. Yeah, ever since he got together. I mean, he makes that really crappy joke that Rose is like, nope. And he's like, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> but like, And also it's inaccurate. Like, there's no way she's 40 years... No, 20. There's no way she's 20 years older than... Probably not, no. I don't think she... I don't know how old the actress is. Is she, like, 55? Well, I mean, I think that Charles is supposed to be, like, 35. I no, I think Charles is a lot older. Not, like, a lot older, but Jake's 33, and I think Charles is closer to 40. Maybe. There's definitely no way she's 60. No, she's definitely not 60. Yeah. Probably, like, 10, maybe 15 years difference tops. Yeah. No, it's not that bad. She's definitely, like, cougaring all over him, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's calling him Charlie. And Chuckle Bunny. And so handsome in your suit. And basically like, pinching his cheeks. She is pinching she his cheeks. She pinches his cheeks? <laughs> yes. That's weird. <laughs> that is weird territory. I know. I do that to guys who... I do that to guys and I don't want to sleep with those guys. So Jake is a great friend in this episode and that is something that I really, really enjoyed watching. And just seeing like kind of play out. And I think the moment that really like clinches how good of a friend he is is when he tanks his date with Bernice for Charles's sake. That could easily be the best first date he's had, like the Betty fluted ever. A hundred percent. He just said he it was a fifty way tie. A fifty way tie for worst first dates. And here's this beautiful woman she's smart she shares all his interests all his major interests yeah he uh, he only has the two three he's into his job he's into die hard and he's into his car that's the only thing we don't know if she cares about and she would probably be impressed by that too yeah yeah bernice is perfect yeah bernice is his teddy yeah that's probably how that would work out yeah actually that's exactly who she is She's like, titty. she's too similar. Then it wouldn't work out, but, like... It'd be fun while it lasted. And, like, this just... It's a slam dunk. Yeah. Like, she's projecting so much openness to him. Right. Like, this is way better than she thought it was going to be when she got set up by her professor on a double date <laughs> that was a blind date. Oh and God. here's this very attractive man who shares all her interests. She's like, okay... And he's, like, super game and playing into it and not, like, judgy. That's and then awesome. weird things keep happening. Yeah. Like, he doesn't ever... For a second, it could be read that he's like, oh, everyone's into Die Hard as kind of, like, fake geek girling him. Right. But then he's like, 
Oh god, you are into this? Oh no. There are waves of I'm into you just flowing off him. Right, and her too. They are great. They would be great. And I really, really hope she comes back next season. I don't think she will. Because, unless her show with Craig Robinson gets cancelled, which I kind of don't want to hope for, because all shows should succeed. But, I really want her to come back. I really like her. I really like... I like having her around, not because I want them to play, like, some weird jealousy card with Amy, but because, like, that would be nice. You know? To have someone come back and have them, like, be friends and talk about their sports opinions? No, like, I want them to date. Oh. But I don't want them to date so that Amy gets jealous, you know what I mean? I don't think there's going to be space for that arc in between. Like, I think that Jake is too distracted. But distracted with what? Amy. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean... <laughs> I thought it was so he unhappy. Could, he could get over her for, like, two episodes, and then, like, Bernice tanks because it's definitely gonna, and then... But no, I just don't think that fits. Regardless, I would really like Bernice to come back for whatever reason. I think she's I would fun. like she and Jake to be bros. That would be cool. And I'd be interested in seeing an episode where Amy's like, there's this beautiful woman who's like exactly your type before me, who likes all of the things that you love that I don't really care about. We should talk. Don't tell me you learned how to be friends with women while I wasn't paying attention. Since when do you have female friends? <laughs> who aren't Rosa? <laughs> who aren't Robocop? Who <laughs> are verbal. <laughs> oh, Lord. What since when do you have friends outside of work? Yeah, That's exactly. a better question. But you're right. Why are you friends with Charles's ex fiance's student? <laughs> oh, a double date? A double date. <laughs> She's never gone on a date and been friends with the guy after. I mean, why would she? Oh, my God. Except Teddy. Except Teddy. But she's not going to be friends with him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, we all know that relationship is doomed. Yeah. So Jake and Charles, they're great friends, and I don't understand why there's not more slash fiction about them, because I definitely ship it. They're in love. They're totally in love. And, like, really physically. Yeah. Like, they, like, hug for a long time in this really, like, physically close way, and that is in no way a bro hug. No. Like, he's not patting him on his back. He's holding him and... Commenting on the fact that he's trembling. They always hug like that, too, because in Fancy Breadgum, they, he's like, will you be my best man? He's like, yes, a thousand times yes. And that's like something you say with someone's proposed to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's the line that Jane says to Bingley when he proposes to her in the end of Pride and Prejudice. Oh. That's 100% the same line. I was Somebody finally made that gift set, and I immediately reblogged it, because <laughs> it was accurate. Nice. That's what Rosamund Pike says to Bingley. <laughs> In the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay. He proposes and she says, yes, a thousand times yes. Probably is also what they say in the book. Anyway, I ship it. And why isn't there more fic about them? Because no one writes Boyle. He's so hard to capture, though. Yeah, he's so hard to capture and not be... Creepy and weird? Totally terrible. Yeah. Because you need Joe Latrulio's open gormlessness. Like, Boyle on paper is weird. Well, apparently, they wrote Boyle very sweet and, and not creepy, and Joel Truglio is the one who brought the creepy. Oh. Like, he made it creepy. His act, he imposed that on top of it. Which is why when I see all these cast interviews where they're teasing, like, maybe Rose is jealous, whatever, I'm like, ah, no water, because you made this creepy, and I, there's no way, like, you made this creepy, Joe. Like, No. <laughs> And he's he's teasing that? Yeah. Oh. He's I I Joe Latrulio 
I got my eye on you. No, I really do think it's just like they're trying to deliberately. Uh, there, it's a smoke screen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all not a MacGuffin, but it's a. Uh, it's a distraction tactic. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of a hey, look over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because I do actually, th- I think you're right in that because we haven't asked about what our season two spec is, and I definitely want you to talk about there and eventually on the podcast about um, Boyle and Gina being the sexual energy for the show that drives it forward, while Jake and Amy are sort of kept apart. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, there's going to be awkward post-hookup energy abounds. And I, I, I 100% want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, Just not in this episode. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, but yes in this episode. Yes in every episode. <laughs> Forever all time. I mean, this is the episode where they openly flirt Gina? and acknowledge it out loud. Yeah. Like, this is the episode where she checks out his ass, tells him She's checking out his ass. He flirts back at her, and then she says to everyone, in the eyes of God and Amy Santiago, I can't believe I was momentarily attracted to Charles Boyle. (laughs) Not to mention, uh, she's like, those are surprisingly low-waisted. He's like, I'm more than just a piece of ass. And the whole room goes, oh, they do that thing. (laughs) Hey, audience, why didn't you tell me the word for that thing? You really need to tell me what the word for that thing is. Oh, is it a thing? It's it, there's a there's a verb for it. Oh, okay. this is English. There's a verb for everything. <laughs> and if there wasn't, we made one up or stole it from some other language. <laughs> yeah, like they they respond exactly the way they responded when the bet formed. Yes, it's fucking on. Yeah, and if we know, when the crowd does that, it is on. And we know, if nothing else, the precinct as a crowd knows who to ship. Yeah, they yeah. they got it. They know a hundred percent who to ship. Like, they're not doing that for Charles and Rosa. They're kind of shuffling their feet away from it. In the, But with with Charles and Gina, oh! They get a lot of group attention. Yeah. Yeah. And they deserve it. Yeah. Boyle Gina ship watch! Like, the first time I saw this, I was like, oh my god, yes, Vivian, yes, go, 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 get him forever. Just because I wanted him taken away from Rosa. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted. I wanted him out. But when I look back on it, it's not that good a relationship. They move so fast. And they don't speak honestly to each other. Not until Jake forces it. And when they do and that... And we never get to see it. Like, we never once see them be, like, emotionally open to each other. Well, really. we know that when they finally do... Like, we we know that Boyle and Vivian have that conversation at the end of Fancy Breadgum. The one that we don't see. Yeah. But when that happens, almost immediately afterwards, they call off the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Because... If they didn't know anything about each other. She was moving to suburban Ottawa. Yeah. So that's not that great a relationship. No. Even though we all definitely wanted it to happen because God get him away from Rosa. But it was also just funny. It, it was, was funny. really funny. It was really funny. But like as soon as it starts, Gina's in there. Oh yeah. It's Gina Gina is way more attracted to a boil who isn't pining, who is actively like engaged Who's in a relationship. Confident. Yeah. And, like, thinks he's sexy. She's always been that way, though. Yeah, she... Like, anytime he grew anything of a spine, she was into it. Remember yeah. in the bet? Like... Yeah, she's like, okay. To be fair, Gina's responding the same way I have been. Anytime Boyle has been confident and, like, owning him, owning who he is and what he does, I've been into it. Yeah. The only time I wasn't was Sal's Pizza. But that was just because, like, Jake was just, like, stomping all over him. Yeah. Yeah. Back to Jake and Boyle... The vibe they have when they're doing their little bits together is just so genuine and deep. Like, they're brothers. 
they're touristing together. Yeah. They're like... I'm a Carrie. I'm a Carrie. We're, We're both, both Carries. <laughs> High five sound effect. Killed it. I think that Joe's Midwest accent is much funnier than Andy's. That is that a mid... No, that's not a Midwestern accent. I lived in the Midwest. They sure. think this is the Midwest accent. Oh, do they? Yeah. Who's they? The Midwesterners. That This neutral American accent, they hold very highly as being the Midwesterners. Okay, so what accent do you think that is? That is fake Southern. That is a Yankees version of a Southern accent. <laughs> at best, you're hitting Appalachia, but... Maybe. At best. I I think that's how Northerners think Southerners sound. Yeah, but it's not like it's not like deep or coastal South. No. I think it's more like an Arkansas. Or, or it's that Carolina accent. That's coastal South. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's <laughs> We're funny. We're thinking too hard. Yeah, it's funny. One of our notes here is Jake is, like, he's as much a part of Boyle and Vivian's relationship as Boyle and Vivian are on some he's, level. He's, uh, he's a principal in it. <laughs> yeah, he's very, very, like, invested in it occurring and everything. And he's clearly been, like, there for all of Boyle's other relationships. Can you imagine when Boyle and Gina hook up? What that's gonna be like? Like Jake, Jake is like besties with both of them. Yeah. And like, can you imagine like them both coming to him for advice about the other? And Gina's like, trying to play really cool. Oh and man. And Boyle just isn't. Oh, He's man. like, who is this mysterious woman I accidentally slept with? What's happening? What does she mean when she says anything? Help. And he's been gone for six months, so he's gonna have six months of Charles's questions stuff. He's to got deal like with. a notebook. He's got like a. He's got he, while he was gone, uh, Charles gonna... built a like a, a a clubhouse. So he's like, we're discussing this in clubhouse. It's a teepee. It's <laughs> over his desk. <laughs> it's over Jake's desk because yeah, Charles exactly. got Jake's desk. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. No, but can you imagine like Gina's definitely going to underplay it, and Charles is going to overplay it, and it's going to be a huge mess. Yeah, no B. <laughs> we love it. Are you yeah. kidding? The last thing is Jake gave me shipwash. Jake gave me ship watch time! I mean, there's more important ships happening even for Jake in this episode. <laughs> but, enough. like, the way they interact is so lovely. So lovely. I would propose that I'm a angel of love who has trouble finding... A beautiful angel of love who has trouble finding love for himself. Admit you would see that movie. Um, and she goes, I would. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> they're just... That is my first OTP tag for them. Beautiful Angel of Love. Yeah. Like, I've settled on uh, Fuzzy Cuddle Bear. Uh, that's my current OTP tag for them. Mm-hmm. But, like, I definitely Beautiful Angel of Love was a big one for a long time. They're just... And it's gratuitous. I'd like to point out that their interaction doesn't have to happen. Yeah. It's just her, sh- like, entering a conversation that's not about her and being like, let's have some banter. And he's like, I will always provide you banter, Amy Santiago. <laughs> and I, I like that, like... Her opening line is, are you really qualified to be giving romantic advice? Which is, like, it's a nice, like, quiet... You could read it as a quiet callback to the bet, where he's like, uh, 50 first dates gone yeah. badly. And and I just like it so much. And then at the end, where she's like, Charles is engaged, and she's so happy and, like, excited. And that could have very and she, easily... And she pays it to him. Yes. She's like, clearly you did this right. Right. And you never do anything right, but you did this right. And it could have just as easily been Terry in that space. Yeah. Yeah. There was no reason it had to be Amy, but it was, and it was so great. Well, it had to parallel. It had to be the person who doubted him at first. True. Fair enough. That, um, in that regard, yes. Also, the live sex show thing would not have worked if Terry was there. 
Okay, fine. So the the physical structure of the jokes don't work if it's Terry. But they could have structured that such that it was Terry somehow. Yeah. But, like, and it's so important that she's the one acknowledging how good he is to people when he tries. Mm Mm-hmm. It warms the cockles of my heart. I do like that... He calls her fart monster, and she's just like, all right. That doesn't matter. <laughs> she doesn't. We had a moment, and you can't stop me. We were having a moment, moment's over. <laughs> <laughs> she really likes moments. She really does. So yeah, that's our recording for this episode. It's kind of short. We're happy. We, we, we really enjoyed this. So Yeah, this is just a really good episode. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Jake is on point. Every like they don't overburden any single plotline with too many cast members. And people get better from here because of the seeds laid in this episode. Yeah. So Yeah. Cool. Well from all of us here at Back in the Field, my name is Arthi. My name is Carl. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye everyone.